Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletown from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Boston is Kyle Zamchek. Kyle is an executive communication coach and the co-founder of Listenly. And we're going to be talking today about communication in the term in the times of COVID. Basically, what we're going to be discussing is how you need to adjust your communication style to reflect the current world. Uh, Kyle, first, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks so much for having me here today, Adam. It's great to hear your voice. Yours too. Now, Kyle, how is communicating through virtual tools different than doing so in person? And I don't mean the fact that you don't have to wear long pants, which is often joked about, but what in general do people need to think about while they're using these tools? Yeah, that's a great question. And first, and really importantly, I think it's really looking at the fact that there's a new set of constraints. You know, when we're communicating, we're always working within constraints, such as how large is the room? You know, will people be able to easily see what I'm doing? Can they hear me? Can they pair off easily if I need them to be in small group discussions? But when we're virtual, we have these new virtual constraints that we're working with. And the takeaway is how can you leverage those new virtual constraints to your strategic advantage? So that kind of brings us to the second point which is what's different about virtual communication is that it changes what it means to maintain a captive audience. Everyone has one focal point. There's not the same ability to have these little side conversations that you might have with your colleague or your peer. You might have those in the chat channel, but you can't have it in the same way interpersonally. And a really interesting aspect is that everyone is equidistant to the presenter or the person who is speaking. That's fascinating to me because never when we are in person do we have that opportunity to really be equidistant to everyone in the room. And in terms of understanding each other, live and online can really be remarkably similar if you dedicate the focused attention to it. So the key question that I recommend asking yourself is, how can you bring more delight to keep it engaging, giving the fact that there's these new constraints and that it's all about maintaining this captive audience. How do you do that through bringing more delight? And an example of the way that I tend to do that is I sometimes use physical objects in lieu of slides whenever that's possible. So I was at a virtual conference and I was holding up actual pictures like I had painted a question mark and I said, you know, does anyone have any questions? And people really got into it and engaged with it. Um, or, you know, if you're, say the number six, you could hold a dice to the camera and show the six dots, but really tethering things to reality. These are some of the things that I think about and I work on with folks when we're talking about changing in order to adapt to this new virtual world. It's funny, as you were saying, tethering things to the reality, I was thinking of one compliance officer went completely the other way to unreality was he has, I think it's weekly meetings and each time he dresses in a different costume. But uh, I think the principle is the same as trying to get people engaged. And I got to say another thought I had is you're talking about this equidistant geography as it used to be, you had the option of hiding in a back corner of a room and nobody has that anymore. So you've already touched on this a little bit. you know, in addition to things like looking for props instead of slides and stuff, is how should people be changing their communication style to work effectively in this new environment? Yeah, I'm, I'm just really visualizing that compliance officer who you mentioned in the costumes. That's such, I just want to say that's such a great way to engage people. And uh, to your next question of changing communication style in this new medium, an important aspect of that is bringing increased awareness to the different kind of learners in a group. 
you know, is somebody auditory, are they visual, are they kinesthetic? Because if somebody's auditory, well, all of these virtual meetings, it's great. You know, they might be able to listen to it all day long. If someone is visual, then the dice or those costumes or, you know, holding up three fingers when you say that you have three ideas to share. It, those are all ways of visually helping the audience to engage. But if somebody is kinesthetic, meaning, you know, they need to move around, um, how do you leverage that? That one is going to be much harder in a virtual environment. So maybe I can give an example. Um, so if what I might do if I'm trying to engage a meeting and I have my team members there, I might say, okay, you know, everyone hold up your left hand. Okay, Adam, join me if you want to hold up your left hand. Now hold up your right hand. Okay, now sandwich the right hand on top of the left hand. You hear that sound? Well, this is how tight our margins are this month and we want it to be having like a lot more spaciousness. So as a, if I'm a leader and I'm trying to demonstrate something for the team, I might do it that way. Like give that kinesthetic experience so that people, nobody's gonna forget that. Nobody's gonna forget that meeting because you just really brought it into their bodies. Um, that's one key approach. And another key component of adapting your communication style to this new medium is really focusing on how you communicate and what you say. You know, people are seeing you from the neck or the chest up. And that impacts how you communicate because your gestures, they're just not going to be seen. Like for me, you know this, Adam, and anyone who's been to any of uh, the conferences where I'm speaking, I gesticulate. I have a lot of big gestures, but I really need to change that to adapt to where the camera, how the camera is going to pick me up. And so people really need to focus and pay attention to that. And in terms of focusing on what you say, we want there to be a lot more redundancy. So don't just say it once. Can you say things in different ways a few times? This is really important when you're sending groups out into breakout rooms because people forget. They forget what the instructions were, or the key details that were given. And so and as a moderator, you're not necessarily in those breakout rooms. So I always encourage folks, if I'm doing something that has specific instructions, is to take a screenshot of a slide or of a set of data if it's going to be relevant. You know, because even in person auditory redundancy that can help people to really remember what you've said. But saying something um, when you're in the virtual space, it becomes even more important to repeat that because you want it to really land for people when they have a lot of distractions around them. Like really focusing on that, I think, can be critical. Well, and to that point about distractions, I mean, people are going to have their computer on. Um, with other screens going to pull them away, or they may be watching on an iPad while their laptop's going. It's, it's definitely a world where people are easily distracted, and you know you need that repetition to drive the point home. Now, if we talked about a lot of things that you have to do differently, what should stay the same? This is perhaps my favorite question, and being your authentic self. So showing up, you know. We're, we're not fooling anyone if somebody is very stiff in a suit and the baby is running around in the background. And so it's really about finding what does professional look like and mean and feel like in your environment for you among your peers and colleagues. So both extremes are uncomfortable. So the stiff suit example or somebody in their pajamas, you know, with their dogs and kids all over them who they're not really focusing. It's really about making space for that personal sense and holding what professional demeanor feels authentic to you. And people had a certain look and feel that may have really worked when they were going into the office. And now that's being needed to adapt and as they're in their home space. 
And this is particularly relevant as there is a lot of focus in organizations being put on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, there, it's actually interesting. There was a, some colleagues of mine were working with a highly respected financial company doing a virtual conference. And the person who was responsible for training how to get into the video meeting, you know, he was in his bedroom. You could see his bed right behind him. You, you got to take it all in, everything that was in that space. And what was wonderful about that is it's an invitation for others to be themselves as well. It was great, authentic, and humanizing in that environment. Yeah, there's, there's actually a, oh, sorry, Adam. No, I was gonna say, I actually think it also probably makes it harder to be, sorry, a jerk to each other once we have a sense of how human all of us are, which you get from that. You know, you, you don't want a situation like you're talking about with the kids and the dog climbing all over, but when the kid interrupts or you just see walks by, suddenly you relate to people in a much more human way, I think. Oh, totally. Um, I think that human connection and using that actually as opportunities. You know, something that I reference a lot is looking at how do you get people to feel engaged and be engaged in their most authentic self? And I don't know if you're familiar with Google's project Aristotle, but it really looked at what makes a highly effective team. And what they found is it's so deeply rooted in psychological safety. And that, that's what I care about most because it applies to people from every industry and every organization when you have people working with other people is really looking at the ways to engage that authenticity, whether that's virtual or in person. It, it stays relevant for building that personal professional bridge and helping us to feel really comfortable being our whole selves with each other. Now, let's talk about feedback. Um, the feedback's different and there's a, a lack of it. You know, on Zoom, you can see faces, but sometimes you may not be able to get that feedback that lets you know if the audience is following along. You know, that can be tough. Is there something you can do or do you have to just sort of learn to be comfortable sort of flying blind? Uh, it's an interesting choice of words because one thing I would note about this idea of flying blind is it's actually, what I found is really about people getting used to seeing each other's eyes and reading people's faces. So I was working with a client this morning and she finds it incredibly overwhelming to have everyone's faces so close. It kind of goes back to the thing we were talking about of everyone being equidistant. She really finds all their eyes to be overwhelming. Whereas another client, she loves it because she felt like it was so much more intimate. She could actually engage with people. And what I've noticed is the more vulnerable somebody's willing to be as the facilitator or speaker, well, then the more you get to see people's reactions because you're eliciting more reactions. And then by the nature of the camera, you're really closer to everyone's faces. You know, there might be less movement, um, you know, non-verbals to pay attention to because that's more limited on video, but in a way that also creates some sense deprivation. Like what now can you notice that you couldn't before and heighten your awareness of faces and eyes? Um, there's also another tip I would throw in here though that I, that I use all the time. And that's using polls and be ready for the real responses. This goes back to the idea of what is available now given the new constraint of virtual. And we've never before in a room when you're with a bunch of people had the same easy availability to have people have anonymous responses. So I'll often put out polls and it could be something as simple as, you know, do people need a three minute break, a 10 minute break, a 15 minute break, pull the audience to get a response or even going a little deeper. So asking something like, how engaged do you feel right now? and having a multiple choice answer where people can respond. 
Um, but really, that's important for you as a facilitator. If you're going to be doing a poll like that, be ready for the feedback. And it can open up a whole new world of communication and transparency and dialogue with the people that you're in communication with. Now, in the minutes we have left, let me close on something we've touched on a little bit, which is what do you do when things go wrong? You know, the baby starts screaming. Uh, outside, suddenly there's construction. The dog barks. Your Internet's a little bit on the dodgy side. Um, or you know, any one of a thousand things that we might find embarrassing. What's the best way to handle it when you're in a business meeting and something goes awry? Yeah, we've all seen this a lot now at this point into the virtual experience. So the number one thing is to acknowledge it. You know, we're human. And a thing to look at is that as the speaker, how you translate and how you feel translates to how we as the listener and audience feel. It's why if the speaker is anxious, then we're anxious when we're listening to them. We're all human. And all of these incidents, they're an, opportun an opportunity to demonstrate how you deal with those challenges. So you may not want to recount, oh, you know, this just happened behind me, but you might say, oh, well, that was a surprise. And if anything, you know that you finally have everyone's attention. And now you get to decide what do you want to do with it. This happens a ton when I'm working with leaders, because when we look at leadership skills, it's how you are when you're saying something. You know, especially if somebody's going through a difficult cultural transition with their team and they're getting difficult questions, it's that same feeling of panic that somebody might feel when an incident happens on a video call. And how you approach that answer really is an opportunity for you to demonstrate how you deal with the, a difficult challenge when it comes up. How do you handle it and model for your community how you deal with challenges? And that can, can be a window into your world. Um, there's also another quick tip that I'll share with the whole audience, which is the idea of set up. Whenever you are preparing for a virtual meeting, make sure that you set up. And by set, what that means is set expectations in your personal environment. This addresses those human challenges. Did you leave a note for the stellar delivery person not to ring the doorbell? Did you tell your family that you have an important 30 minute call and to please not interrupt? And then the up is get everything up and running. Test it beforehand, check your background, make sure your audio video is working. You know, Minimize both those human and technical challenges by preparing and setting up and focus on that preparation. If your internet is not working great, get that ethernet cable and plug in because there are areas where we can be more accountable by really focusing on setting up. Well, Kyle, thank you for so much uh, great insight and advice on how to manage through this new format for communication for people. Uh, I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.